This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, today we've got a milestone to it's celebrate. A, it's a 40th milestone. It's, really, uh, it's really not huge. either of our birthdays, although it probably could have been Matt's birthday, but it, <laughs> it's, a, it, it's a 40th episode and we're so incredibly excited for one reason. We were told early on in uh, in our podcasting that if we got to episode 10, we had something. And yeah. now what? We've got that on a multiplier we've got that uh, times, times four. four. Times so four. we're 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 golden here. We're feeling good. We're also it. yeah. We're also super excited about our guest today. We've got Tom Davidoff. He's the director of the Center of Urban Economics and Real Estate at the Sauter School of Business. And Tom has been on the podcast before. Yeah, he's been on twice before. Uh, he's been a fantastic guest. He offers kind of a more academic uh, look at the marketplace, which I find is always useful. Right. He was back on. Uh, he first made his debut on episode five. Right. Uh, very early on in the podcast. Back when the market was blistering hot, um, it's still worth a listen though. That that was a really fantastic episode. If you One haven't, of the most popular. Yeah, if you haven't heard that episode, go back and listen. And if anything, it will kind of shape what what overall what the where we've been with the market in the past year or so. For sure. Then he was on episode twenty one, right when the foreign buyers tax was announced. We we yep. had Tom back on to talk about that. Another really uh, fascinating conversation. And we thought, hey, it's a fortieth episode. It's the start of twenty seventeen. Why not get Tom's crystal ball out and talk about uh, future predictions for this year? His crystal ball is is better than most. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's uh, data driven. 
It's it's a data driven crystal ball. So we're uh, we're excited to have Tom give his uh, perspective on the year to come. Yeah, but, and, he, and we we covered uh, not only the market. It's uh, it's sort of a freewheeling conversation. Really, really good one. So so stay tuned. Yeah, and before we get to Tom's interview, Matt, we we've also got. Uh, well, we've had a lot of people reach out. Yeah, it's it started 2017, kind of an obvious time to to reevaluate your your real estate goals. Right. And uh, it's yeah, it's been really uh, really great. We've had people call about trading up, uh, trading down. We've had people call about investments here in the Lower Mainland and and even outside the province. I even yeah, I mean we're right now we're dealing with uh, somebody who's looking at multifamily in in the prairies, which is something. and and it's essentially you know what I I like to think that we're really good soundboards. Uh, we have a lot of experience with this type of stuff and we can help you get from point A to point B. And we've also got amazing realtor level resources and tools that can help you as well. So if you want to get amazing information just, you know, on sold prices and also on days on the market and and uh, just more elaborate resources, feel free to call us. We can set you up with that and it'll give you a better gauge of the market. Absolutely. But Matt, the final thing is next week, tune back. There's something exciting to announce. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's the 40th episode. The Vancouver Real Estate Podcast is growing. Schooling at Real Estate's growing. And we're hiring. Which is exciting. So next week, we're going to have more information about uh, what we're looking for. And, and uh, if you know anyone, please do pass it along. Uh, we're just excited. Or if you're a listener, we're, if you're we, a listener, we would love to have a listener of the podcast reach out. Yeah, for sure. So uh, look forward to that. We'll be talking about that next week. And then, of course, the the new website coming up. Can't wait to uh, to formally to announce that. that. Yeah, for sure. And uh, without further ado, Matt, why don't we get to our interview with Tom Davidoff? Enjoy, guys. Okay, so we're here with Tom Davidoff, Director of the Center of Urban Economics and Real Estate at the Sauter School of Business. How are you doing, Tom? Very well. Thank you for having me. Great. Hey, thanks for coming on. So, Tom, uh, we'll just start with a general question to get the ball rolling. Would you buy a house in 2017 in Vancouver? Boy, that's a fantastic question. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I'm going to go with not in January. Uh you know, obviously, you know, it could be a home run to buy a home in Vancouver. You know, if you're going to hold it for 30 years, probably going to do just fine. Uh, but there's a lot of negatives in the market, facing the market. There's at the lower end of the market, uh, these new mortgage qualification rules, which I think a lot of people find onerous. And of course, at the top and middle of the market, the foreign buyers tax, I think, really slowed things down. And the other fact is quantities tend to lead prices. That is, when you see a slowdown in transactions that's common after a long run-up in prices, that slowdown in transactions is commonly uh, followed by a decline in prices. So we've got really rich pricing here. Of course, there could be further upside. Uh, but I think if you're uh, renting a home, you, you've waited this long, hold out a little bit longer, see if things don't turn around a bit. That That's my best guess, but it is, of course, just a guess. Okay, so kind of moving on, you, you touched on the foreign buyer tax. So it, it, it's your impression that we've seen the foreign buyer tax work? 
Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, you see the stark drop off between July and August, where you had 13 percent and then something less than one percent in Metro Vancouver foreign buyers. Now, a lot of that, of course, was everybody who was going to transact in August and September and even some probably in October pulled their sales forward uh, to August 1st to avoid the tax. So I don't think 1% was ever going to be sort of the steady state level of foreign buyers, and I think 13 was an overstatement. Uh, but I do think you've probably gone from something on the order of 10% foreign buyers to something on the order of 3 or 4%. That, that's, that in and of itself is a pretty significant uh, difference. Uh, and uh, I suspect strongly that the foreign buyer presence was actually stronger earlier in the year uh, of 2016 before the tax came in in the spring, Uh, and I say that based on changes in currency and uh, evidence that the market had been slowing down even before uh, that tax came in. But yes, I think the foreign buyer tax uh, was clearly followed by a drop in transactions and uh, certainly a softening of prices at the high end. So I think there's every reason to think a really significant tax of 15% has, in fact, had a cooling impact. Do you, th- do you think that there's still um, a, a contingent of foreign buyers operating in the Vancouver market? Well, it's 3, per- three or 4% that are self-identified as foreign. If you ask how many homes are purchased with money that comes from overseas, uh, the number's probably significantly larger. You've got people who are legitimate uh, permanent residents, but the money doesn't really come from Canada. You've got uh, people funding local buyers to purchase homes. It can't be nobody does that. Sometimes it's legitimate if you buy through a family member. Uh, sometimes you may be pulling stuff to skirt the tax that may actually be, uh, in theory, subject to prosecution, but h- hard to tax. So uh, I can't believe there's zero foreign money in the market today. No, no. So in most, fact, I know there's not. Given yeah, I was just going to say 3%. most certainly not. Even even with it, the people it's not it, it's not zero, but I suspect it's you know you know somewhat north of three percent. How much north is impossible for me to know. You guys would have a better idea than I do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when we spoke with you last, right after the foreign buyers tax was introduced, we were talking about. Uh, there being some wiggle room uh, for the provincial government, potentially dropping it to 10%, potentially upping it to 20 if it wasn't working. Do you think that the 15% foreign buyer tax is, is here to stay, especially based on your seemingly uh, dire predictions for 2017? Uh, yeah, and, and you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not one of these uh, prices are going to fall eighty percent guys. I'm just saying on balance, I think maybe dire was a bit much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. 80, 80 is a lot. Um, that said, you know, we have a provincial election coming up, and then it's a long time until the next one, and we have a provincial government that historically uh, has been very tight with the real estate industry. So. Would it shock me to see a meaningful decline uh, after the election in the foreign buyer tax? It wouldn't shock me in the least. You know, they'd probably wait a dignified amount of time. But if the market crashes, nobody's going to be happy. I mean, uh, even a lot of renters are probably indirectly connected to the real estate market, uh, just through the province doing well financially, uh, through direct employment, through indirect employment. So, you know, if there was a nasty, nasty downturn in the housing market, I think uh, it would be natural for the province to look uh, to do something and and, and easing the foreign buyer tax would be something they might do. Uh, You know, 
hard to read. I think it's very politically popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there might be a bit of an uproar if it went away and looked like sort of political scheming or something like that. But, oh. uh, you know, it, 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 I, I think when you look at Vancouver's uh, future, I would say that tax is a risk factor. I think it affects pricing and we it, it's not a certainty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It seems I was just saying to Adam uh, before we went live here, it no matter what happens, um, it seems like it would be politically unpopular to to drop it, though. Like, I mean, to 10 percent or 5 percent or even just to, to do away with it altogether, it would be. Um, politically unpopular, to say the least. Well, you know, so so the province had some other steps they could take, right? So we just saw this uh, first-time buyers, uh, you know, low equity uh, loan program. Right. And when you think about it, it's uh, my best guess is what the province was up to. I don't think it was good policy, but I do think it was probably, uh, to give them credit, intended to avoid a precipitous drop in prices because, you know, having lived through the U.S. in the uh, late 2000s, nobody likes a uh, devastated housing market. I don't know that we're going to have one. We might have prices bop along, uh, maybe at a consumer price index, maybe more. Uh, but there's a real risk of a significant correction given how out of whack prices are with local incomes. Uh, and the possibility of a significant interest rate increase. So should we see that not most likely but statistically possible nasty downturn, I think the politics of housing prices might switch. We talk to a lot of kind of real free marketer types uh, in real estate, obviously. Um, Mm -hmm. And it seems to me like in the last six months, the provincial government, you know, with the foreign buyer tax and then with the first time home buyer loans uh, are doing a lot of tinkering here with the market. Uh, Just as a general question, do you think that's, uh, I know for a fact that a lot of people we work with are are not big fans of that, of that kind of interventions or those types of interventions, I should say. What are, what's your thoughts on it? Well, I think I have a pretty different perspective and it may come from being American, which is when I first came to this market, I thought I thought my uh, property tax assessment was a joke. I couldn't believe how low it was uh, at you know uh, half a percent. You know, in California, your 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 tax base is frozen at the purchase price, which is kind of crazy. But the first year you buy a property, uh, you're somewhere in the order of one and a quarter percent. So and and then I you know so I was like wow what low property taxes and then you realize how it's made up you open up your income tax bill <laughs> you know it's a big number yeah so now this happens to be an area of research of mine which is if you think about it, where do you want to have high property taxes and where do you want to have high income taxes you know in a place like um, Rich Coleman's favorite Salmon Arm or some place where it's easy to build homes. Uh, you want to have a tax base that's primarily uh, income and sales because if you have a property tax, you're screwing up people's decisions to build or not. Mm-hmm. But in Vancouver, uh, where we basically forbid people from doing anything with their property, a property tax is just give us money. It doesn't really change anybody's economic behavior. It's not like you're going to you know, build smaller townhomes on your single family lot because there's a higher property tax rate. So if you wanted to have a sort of laissez-faire efficient economy, 
you'd have higher property taxes and much lower income and sales taxes. That could be a really dynamic economy. And, you know, the higher property taxes would be bad for real estate, but they'd be good for the overall economy and there'd be some positive feedback even into housing. So if I was, you know, trying to max out on free market, I'd say, boy, we really got to move in the direction of uh, higher property taxes, lower income and sales taxes. Well, effectively, that's what the province did with the foreign buyer tax. You know, we at UBC said, you know, go directly in that direction. People who don't pay income and sales taxes ought to be paying higher property tax. Uh, and, you know, they sort of approximated that with a tax on foreign buyers who aren't subject to our crazy high income taxes and have been benefiting from low property taxes. Mm -hmm. So that's a very long winded way. And I apologize to say it's not like we were starting from Ayn Rand to begin with. <laughs> right. We're starting from, uh, a, you know, a tax system that has a high level of taxation and really puts its thumb on the scale of let's be a town where people buy real estate and uh, jobs are sort of a, a, a second consideration. So we kind of have things messed up to begin with is where I'd go. But yes, you're absolutely correct. Since then, uh, it's kind of entertaining to watch. Uh, the, the province has really thrown caution to the wind uh, with, uh, you know, a couple of pretty bold things. They, mm -hmm. As you mentioned, the foreign buyer tax. And then uh, this first-time buyer, uh, you know, major league subsidized, encouraged people to take on debt program. Yeah. Speaking of that, what what's your what's your thoughts on on the new first time home buyer plan? Uh again, I think it was probably done to stimulate the market. There's been studies of the US which, you know, th when you have a struggling housing market, first time buyer programs um definitely tend to juice the market because getting people out of their parents' basement or out of a rental and into a starter home uh, is a very important driver of the market. So, uh, you know, so so first-time buyers are very important to the market, and a big problem for first-time buyers tends to be they can't scrape together a down payment. Uh, the other problem, of course, is they can't afford payments. This new program doesn't do anything on the payment side, uh, but it does, I believe, uh, allow people to go 95% uh, uh, insured loan, 2.5% from the province, uh, two and a half percent down payment instead of needing a five percent right. down payment. So, you know, giving people that extra two and a half percent may really get a lot of buyers in uh, who wouldn't be otherwise. And uh, that that relative to a world without that program uh, may indeed juice the market. Now, so I, I, th I have to believe the province's intent was to stop the slide of home prices uh, before election season. Because, of course, if your goal was to make Vancouver affordable, just the foreign buyer tax and the federal interventions to make mortgage credit harder were doing a great job of driving down prices. And those are, and you know, lower prices is great for affordability too. So the status quo was good for affordability. So I don't think this was really, let's help people who don't own houses yet. I think it was, uh, let's make sure prices don't crash. Okay. Do, do you also see it? I mean, is there a component here of it being reactionary to the fact that the foreign buyer tax has worked to kind of chop the top off the market, right? Yeah. Where where now we're looking at this situation where the people that were, were most vocal about affordability, first-time homebuyers, millennials, a lot of people that were having a tough time getting into the market, yeah, market they're not in a better situation right now, are they? Uh, 
yeah, you know, I, I, uh, the condo market, I think, isn't as hot as it was, but I agree. You know, certainly the pre-sales market seems to be going, you know, gangbusters, uh, even even as the rest of the market is slowed down. So, yeah, uh, I guess one could look at this as let's help people at the bottom. Uh, but if you really wanted to do that, I think, you know, just say, hey, if you're a renter, here's a check. Uh, as opposed to writing a check implicitly by subsidizing debt. The, the difference is when you subsidize these loans, because it's you know hard to build in Vancouver, it's not like, oh, you know, he, hey, I hear this program's in effect, we're going to build a bunch of new uh, apartment mm-hmm. buildings. Because supply, it, it's so hard for supply to react, when you get people into the market and paying more for houses to make sure they get in and get the benefit, a lot of that benefit goes to the seller rather than the buyer. So that's why I think this program, again, was designed to benefit, uh, you know, not necessarily benefit sellers so much as make sure there wasn't a big contraction in the market. Uh, again, if you wanted to just really give a break to people struggling with affordability, you'd say, hey, if you live in an expensive housing market, you get, uh, you know, a tax rebate. Because, you know, I should say this is a very costly program. You know, mm-hmm. I, I spent some time trying to figure out how expensive the loans are to the province. And, you know, you're giving up something like 10 percent of the loan amount in interest forgiveness. Uh, there's going to be some administrative costs, so you're probably at 12%. But then the biggest uh, item is these are risky loans. You know, usually risky loans, you have to charge uh, mortgage insurance. Instead, the province is insuring itself. So taxpayers are taking on risk in the amount of probably 20% of the loan amount. So you're up to like a third of the loan amount is basically being given away to the borrower. Uh, And so why don't you just take the program and just give money to people who are renters. And if you give cash away, that that does a lot less to push housing prices back and claw back the benefits of the program away from um, first-time buyers and towards sellers. Right, right. Hmm. So, Tom, we, we wanted to get to your research. I know that you've been doing some research on, on the market. And, you know, there's depending if you're reading, you know, the, the province or the sun or, or looking at the board stats, you've been doing some independent research. Can you speak to that a bit? Based sure. on the stats, right? Yeah, that's right. What we've done is we've looked at west side single family, west side multifamily, east side, uh, same thing. And when you break it into segments, uh, it sure looks like the segments that are most attractive to the foreign buyer have struggled the most. And so what we do is we sort of say controlling for quality as best as we can what's happening to the price of a home, right? You see two prices, two homes sell, one in December, one in November. You can't look at the difference in those prices and say that's what happened to housing prices because they might have been different quality houses. So controlling for quality as much as we can, we find the single family market uh, on the west side uh, is is down significantly, uh, you know, certainly double digits uh, from where its peak was in the summer of 2016. Uh, condos not doing as badly, uh, but certainly down as well, I think, in the 5 to uh, 8% range. It's imprecise. You know, the market slowed down, so we don't have that many transactions to look at. Uh, but there's no question that prices have softened since the uh, peak uh, in the uh, summer of 2016. 
And just so I'm clear, Tom, when you say control for quality, because the the real estate board uses the benchmark price, right? Which which some yeah, I think they're have... doing something similar. So I, I'm not totally sure why they're coming up with uh, different numbers. I think they may do some smoothing across time, a sort of rolling average. So maybe they don't put as much weight on the most recent month. But yes, the realtors uh, are 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 clever. You know, they have clever people. Uh, doing what everybody does, which is to to do your best to control for the quality of the home sold. Maybe changing gears here, a um, lot of talk about interest rates in 2017. Any thoughts on what's going to happen with the rate? You know, I am not a um, bond uh, market forecaster, so I just look at it like everybody else. Uh, you know, post-election, we saw a significant uptick, and I think that could be a couple of things. It could be um, just stimulus creating real growth in the U.S. Uh, because, you know, the Republicans, of course, uh, I don't know uh, how much people know in Canada, but the Republicans were determined not to let Obama have a pr- successful presidency. Mm-hmm. And so um, even in a sluggish economy, we're against stimulus with Trump in a, of course, he's the king of debt. So he's going to have every incentive to borrow. And the Republicans, I think, are going to be less inclined to say no to him than they were Obama. And I think the market's optimistic about that. Also, there's going to be massive tax cuts, uh, which a may stimulate the economy, but b create uh, potentially inflation down the road. So interest rates in the U.S. uh, after the election jumped, probably both because of U.S. inflation uh, potential and you know expectations of real actual growth in the economy. Real growth in the economy would affect Canadian interest rates and push them up. Uh, U.S. inflation, I'm less sure that it has that impact on Canadian interest rates. So, uh, you know, we haven't seen a major increase. We've seen some increase, but not huge in mortgage rates uh, here uh, in Canada. You know, uh, since the election, though, uh, you know, the Fed raised rates, but uh, actually we were over 2% at the U.S. five year, and now we're back into the 1.8s. So there's been some retreat uh, of uh, yields and uh, not clear that we're going to see uh, continued uh, growth of yields. I think a, a lot of uh, economists who do spend time thinking about this uh, are not optimistic about uh, growth in, in, in the coming even decades. So, um, you know, definitely there's risk of interest rates going up. We're at just unbelievably low rates by mm-hmm. historical standards. So there's certainly the possibility of an uptick, uh, but I would, I, I certainly wouldn't call it a certainty. So Tom, maybe- and, and, I, and I should take a step back and just point out, you know, if interest rates went to, you know, when I first bought a house in uh, 2002, the uh, real estate agent I was, uh, you know, shopping with said, well, you know, I think uh, if interest rates get below 7%, that'll be a real psychological <laughs> barrier. So, uh, I, I, you know, I'm guessing millennials just don't even know that there used yeah, to be 14, 18% four, yeah, rates. But even if we went back to historical levels of 4 to 6%, I think we can all agree that would be uh, catastrophic for this market. I don't think that's the likeliest outcome, but I think the reason you ask and the reason we're all interested is uh, a very big driver of the Vancouver market, of course, and every other market has mm-hmm. been uh, just historically low rates that make it very cheap to borrow and buy. Right. So, Tom, circling back around to the to the start, maybe as a, as a close here, when we asked, would you buy a house in 2017? You said not in January. Based on that, uh, uh, all you've talked about here, would you buy one in November or December? 
<laughs> depends what happens, right? Uh, you know, I think there's a, there, there's a real possibility of a, a downtick. The other thing is, again, given the political uncertainty, I don't know what the future holds for China at all, mm-hmm. but there is a real possibility that the future of Vancouver is uh, international playground for the rich. And uh, part of that would be a change in our current tax regime, which has given the local buyer, I think, a real break. So uh, if I had some kind of inkling, you know, if I had insider information, which I certainly don't, uh, that the tax was going away, that would be a major trigger for me to get in. Or if I got an inkling that it was going to be ruled unconstitutional, I don't think it should, but it could. Um, You know, I think that political risk is probably to me uh, the biggest upside risk for people who are holding out from buying. Uh, you know, rates aren't going to get significantly lower, uh, which is important. Um, yeah, so, so without some kind of demand from the outside, I just don't see these price to income ratios staying uh, as bad as they are. The other thing uh, in Vancouver, if I may, one final thought is the rental market is really something to keep an eye on. Uh, you know, I started collecting Craigslist rents uh, in March of 2016, and between March and June, there was this giant bump in rents. I don't know how much of that was seasonality, but the market was up, you know, very rapidly from March through the summer. But then it flattened out. And what was particularly interesting is, and especially after the foreign buyer tax came in, high-end rents really fell. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to buy a house in uh, the British properties, what does that set you back? Five mil? Four mil? Starting, uh, starting, yeah, two point yeah, two kind of entry range. level, right? <laughs> you can rent something up there uh, for you know four K gets you a really nice rental mm-hmm. up there. Right. So I don't understand. You know, if I was a yuppie kid uh, struggling with uh, rental affordability, paying fifteen hundred to live in somebody's basement, I'd get three or four pals and uh, get a party house up there. <laughs> so that segment is really, but 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 the point is. Uh, you know, it just highlights the difference between the buying power of the foreign buyer, who I think was driving the train up there, and the local buyer. You know, and, and I talked to a, a, a millennial friend, and this guy's paying two thousand bucks a month in rent, uh, and struggling to do it, and has a roomie, you know, living behind a curtain on a patio, all this crazy stuff. And that's the guy who's buying the six hundred thousand dollar condo. So, you know, there's a lot of fragility in this market. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I, I am not going to be uh, Mr. It's definitely going to crash because, of course, there's so much that's great about the Vancouver market and so many people all over the world who do anything to be here. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of positives. But if this is a locals market, uh, especially with the possibility of increasing interest rates, I just think in the near term, there's significant downside risk. And, and, and less upside. But again, uh, if the outside money uh, starts pumping back in, uh, I think things could uh, c- could pick up again after a slowdown. So, you know, uh, January on balance, I'd say not be a buyer. But the other thing I'd tell people is be opportunistic. You yeah. know, uh, talk to a smart guy uh, like the Scalia's and uh, start shopping around. Uh, don't torture them, but just, just you know, get them to uh, put, you know, put you on that list where they send you houses that match your criteria and uh, be prepared to jump if you find the right thing uh, that's uh, sitting around for a while. Hey, sounds like good advice to me. Yeah. Well, hey, Tom, we appreciate your time. And uh, if people want to read more of your work, do you have a, a, a blog or a website that people can visit? Well, I'm on Twitter uh, for uh, 
accessible stuff. Yeah, and we follow uh, him. He's, he's good. But my day job uh, has uh, research, uh, my published research is more on uh, the U.S. Uh, housing markets uh, and the reverse mortgage market. But uh, if you're interested, absolutely, I'm at uh, sites dot google dot com slash site slash tom david offer even better just google me uh and you'll find me perfect well hey thanks again for your uh time tom and it's always great having you on the podcast real pleasure thank you thanks take care So there you have it, folks. Our discussion with our very good friend Tom Davidoff. We're yeah, I'm a huge fan. I know you're a huge yeah. fan of Tom's. He's always got super interesting and insightful things to say about the market, yeah. and you can tell that he's a he's a big fan of the Scalia brothers as well. <laughs> That's for sure. That's for sure. He, yeah. I think, he even made a pitch in there uh, for people to get in touch with the Scalia brothers. Yeah, but if you are googling it, it's uh, it's the end it is, is not silent. Yeah, it's pronounced Scalina. and you know we say that not to embarrass Tom, but just to make sure that you know how to find us. Yeah. So speaking of how to find us, Matt, how can people find you? It's S C A L E N A, and it's seven seven eight eight four seven two eight five four, or Matt at scalinarealestate dot com, or you can try me at seven seven eight eight six six. Four five seven four or Adam at scalinarealestate.com. We also got that nonpartisan line. Info at scalinarealestate.com. So have a great week. Uh, we can't wait to be back next week because we got a really great episode. Number and, 41. Uh, yeah, some exciting news. So That's a Dave Matthews band song. Oh, man. Did have a good just, week, guys. Did you just... Dave Matthews? Really? Have a good week, guys. Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. This podcast is sponsored by Common Ground Consulting. Are you developing in the Lower Mainland? Common Ground Consulting is a development management and consulting company with experience in single family, townhouses, multifamily, and commercial developments. What I love about Common Ground, Adam, is they manage the whole development process from due diligence and feasibility reports for initial purchase of land to completing rezoning, development permits, and building permits. They streamline the whole process with strong relationships with sub-consultants and municipalities and a deep understanding of all city requirements. Common Ground Consulting. Feasibility and efficiency prioritized every step of the way. Learn more at commonground-consulting.com or 604-807-6419. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. 
if you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the bigwigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020.